Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. Can I just say how much I have enjoyed Brother Rob's preaching so far in Matthew and uh, specifically in the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount is recorded in Matthews 5, 6, and 7. And uh, we are, um, I just so appreciate how Rob has rightly divined the word and the takeaways have been so practical and so spiritually uplifting at the same time. And and so uh, we miss Brother Rob today, uh, but it falls to me to give you uh, my last word on the Sermon on the, on the Mount. Now, Brother Rob can do what the Lord leads him to do, and uh, he, he may uh, take a look at this passage and say, uh, Kevin missed this, this, and this, and, and he may choose to revisit it, and that's fine. Uh, the word is inexhaustible, and you can read the same passage over and over and over, and the Lord may have a fresh revelation for you from that passage, and that's one of the great things about the Word of God. The study never ends. The learning never ends. Hopefully the application to our heart. Hopefully that never ends as well. Hear the Word of the Lord, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house. And it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus We thank you that Jesus uh, uttered uh, these incredible things that he did while he was on the face of the earth and and of all the things that he said, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, that's some of the most memorable. And this is how he chose to end his sermon there. So we thank you that he said it, that you led Matthew to record it, and that we, 2,000 years later, we can read this and hear you speaking to us. We thank you for that. Now, Lord, help us not to be just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. These things we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Now, you you have heard it said that there are only two types of people in the world. Two types. Well, the first type is type A, and the second is type B. Or you may have heard it said that there's only two types of people in the world. Well, there's Mac and there's Android. You may have heard it said that there's only two types of people in the world, and I hold in my hands here a chocolate bar. 
that I uh, purchased loyally from my sister at the Country Gourmet. And uh, now this, is, this is an interesting chocolate because this is um, candied lemon chocolate. Hey. But there's only two types of people in the world. Those who approach a chocolate candy bar and they, they take that chocolate candy bar and they see, they break off a square. Ooh, maybe they break off three squares. They break off a square and that's how they eat it. Mm. This is not like the Lord's Supper. That, that's on the second week. Then there's other, that's one type of person. The other type of person just approaches the chocolate candy bar, doesn't care about the squares, just goes for it. Two types of people in the world. Mm. Oh, that's so good. Mm. Mm. You know, there really are two types of people in the world. There are the, the, the people who like chocolate and there are people who don't. I don't understand those people, but they, they're out there. Uh, there are only two types of people in the world. When it comes to reading, and this is one of my favorite books here, and I'm going to say the title very carefully, Adorning the Dark. It's not Adoring the Dark. It's Adorning the Dark. This is by Andrew Peterson. And so some one type of person reads a book, gets to a stopping place, and decides, oh, okay, well, I'll just I'll bend the page down here, and, um, and I'll know right where to go the next time. Some of you are cringing because you're not that type of person. Uh, you're the type of person who likes a bookmark. And why in the world would we destroy that beautiful book with that, it's too late now, Holly, it's, it's creased. Two types of people in the world. We've talked about the chocolate, we've talked about the books, but no two types is complete without talking about how we handle a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now, Sam, are you hungry? It's good. It's good. It's peanut butter. What kind is it, Ron? Is it skip, Skippy? Skippy? And it's blackberry. It's blackberry jam. Okay, so I will never forget the first time I realized that there was more than one way to cut a sandwich in half. I had always seen it cut right down the middle like that, and I thought that was the proper way. And then someone cut it diagonally, and it blew my mind. I looked at that, and I said, whoa, it tastes better. Would you, would you like a sandwich? You're welcome to. Two types of people in the world. It's, it's also been said that there's only two types of people in the world, those who divide everybody into one type or the other. But, but did you know that Jesus said that there are only two types of people in the world? First type builds their house on the rock. The second type builds their house on the sand. Jesus said that there's only two types of people in the world. The first type sees their house stand firm in the storm. The second type sees their house collapse. Jesus said there's only two types of people in the world. The first type listens to his words and builds their life on him. The second type ignores his words and builds their life on anything else. I'm going to talk to you about a word today, coda. Coda. John, John, if you'll put that up for us. 
So here is the definition of coda. Coda is a noun. Three, three different definitions, actually. In music, and all my musicians here know this, the concluding passage of a piece or movement typically forming an addition to the basic structure. That's a coda. And there's an example there. The first movement ends with the fortissimo coda. That's a music definition. Then there's a ballet definition, the concluding section of a dance, especially of a... Nora, help me out here. Oh, so, so well said. The pas de deux. I can't speak French. Um, especially of a pas de deux, or the finale of a ballet in which the dancers parade before the audience. We'll come back to the pas de deux in a little bit. Thank you, Nora. And in literature, a coda is a concluding event remark or, succession, or section. His new novel is a kind of coda to his previous books. And guess what? Jesus kind of has a coda in the Sermon on the Mount. And we read it today. And the coda is the story of the wise builder or the foolish builder. So Jesus has his own coda. And just to get in on the game, Matthew says, well, Matthew wants a coda also. So after Jesus gives his coda to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew adds his coda and says, oh, by the way, when the people heard him speak, they said, whew, this isn't what we're used to. He speaks with authority. You know, last words are um, important. If you think about the music coda to a worship service, we have one. It's the doxology. We're going to sing that coda as the Lord wills. We'll sing that today. That is an addition that comes at the end that wraps everything up and lends strength and communication to it. And so this is Jesus' coda to the Sermon on the Mount. I'm in the mail business. Um, we print and mail things. I, I started in the mail business in 1996. And over the years, I've studied what is good mail and seen plenty of examples of good mail, seen plenty of examples of bad mail. And uh, the scientists tell us that when it comes to mail, there are two things that you can almost always assure people are going to read first. You know what they are? The opening line of your letter and then the P.S. That's what they'll read first. By the way, that's what they'll remember as well. The opening line and the P.S. And this coda, this story of the wise builder, this is Jesus' P.S. to us. Oh, by the way, all that stuff I've been telling you in this sermon, he's saying, if you hear them and act on them, you're like the wise builder who builds his house on the rock. But if you don't, you're like the foolish builder who builds his house on the sand. Let me give you another example of a coda in Scripture. Let's go to Psalm 93. So I love this psalm. I've been talking to Josiah about this psalm this week. And so this is a great psalm. It's, it's pretty easy 
to memorize. But if you look at Psalm 93, the psalmist says, The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed, enveloped in strength. The world is firmly established. It cannot be shaken. Your throne has been established from the beginning. You are from forever. You are from eternity. The floods have lifted up, Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their pounding waves. Greater than the roar of a huge torrent, the mighty breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is majestic. Now you see what the psalmist did in the first verse? He talks about majesty, and then he circles back around at the end of verse 4, and he says, the Lord on high is majestic. The psalm is done at this point. That would have been a great place to stop. But he added a P.S. He added a coda. And this is the coda. He said, Lord, your testimonies are completely reliable. Holiness adorns your house for years to come. This aspect of adding a coda, of adding a final statement, a last word, if you will, a P.S., means we really need to pay attention to what the Lord is saying. Now remember that second definition of a coda where we threw that little French word in there, the pas de deux? How, how am I doing, Nora? Eh. Yeah, duh. That's good. That's good. So, and I didn't know any of this. Uh, I had to do a little bit of research, and, uh, and I thank you, Nora, for helping us. But in ballet, sometimes the concluding definition of a dance or the concluding section of a dance is known as the pas de deux. Normally, it's, it's male and female, but what we're talking about here in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, it's not a male and a female dancing together. It's kind of like one guy over here doing his thing and another guy over here doing his thing. And they look basically the same, but the conclusions are so much different. Matthew 7 kind of ends with a bit of a dance. We see the wise builder over here building his house on the, on the rock. We see the foolish builder over here building his house on the sand. And this is a contrast that Jesus wants you to see this contrast. There are only two types of builders in the world, the wise builder and the foolish builder. Uh, I would recommend that you look back at Psalm 1. And you will see that there are only two ways to live your life. Psalm 1 says, How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He is like a tree planted besides flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither whatever he does, prospers. The wicked are not like this. They're not like the tree. They're like the chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. There it is. Two ways to live your life. Way of the righteous, way of the wicked. The wise man the foolish man. I have three takeaways for you today from the coda, from Jesus' P.S. to you at the end of his most famous sermon 
And here they are. The first takeaway is the storm is coming. Note that Jesus did not say the wise man built his house on the rock, the foolish man built his house on the sand, and if perchance a storm came. No, he says when the storm came. My brothers and sisters, the storms are coming. No one gets out of this world alive. The storm is coming. Jesus doesn't say if the storm comes. He tells us when the storm comes. And I I need to point out here that to our anxious eyes and the way we want a story to always end pretty close to from when it began, the storm didn't come right away after the building was complete. We don't know exactly when the storm came, but the storm certainly came. And you may watch people who are building their house on sand, and you can watch them their entire lives building their house on sand, and you may wonder, how are they doing that? How's their house standing up? Well, the storm hadn't come yet, but it will. Jesus doesn't say if the storm comes. He says when the storm comes. And we don't know when that storm's going to come. And I will say this, until the storm comes, basically the houses look identical. You really can't tell. And so I want to ask you, since we know the storm is coming, uh, are you ready? We don't always have an early advanced warning system. We don't always have radar on our phones that tells us when the storm's going to come. Now, weather-wise, we do. And every year during hurricane season, you can see what happens down in, in Florida, Louisiana, southern Alabama. People start boarding up their windows and their doors because they know a storm's coming. But in life, it's not like that. We don't get that much notice. The storm for some of us might be on the way home today from church. The storm for others may not be but many years in the future, but the storm is coming. Takeaway number one, the storm is coming. Takeaway number two is everybody is building. You may not have your general contractor's license, but you are a builder, and you are building. You are building either on the rock or on the sand. Here's another thing. We don't really know that there was any difference in the building materials that the wise men who built on the rock, and the foolish man who built on the sand. We don't know that those materials were any different whatsoever. We don't know if the construction quality was any different in either house. And the point here is that what you build on that rock or on that sand, that's not going to save you. It's not the quality of your building materials. Your works cannot save you. The quality of your works cannot save you. How you live your life won't save you. The storm's coming. Don't rely on your building materials. The third takeaway is the foundation is the only thing that matters. Real estate has a rule, location, location, location. Well, theology has a rule too. You know what it is? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And if you're not building your life on Jesus, then you are building on sand. Uh, I was talking to Rhonda just yesterday, 
and uh, we called Trevin to get some of the details straight um, because he journals and he, he's got all this stuff. And so years and years ago, we went down to southern Alabama, and we stayed in a place called Sapphire Beach, and it was right there on the beach, and it was a wonderful time. Uh, we just had a great, great vacation. We liked going down to that area. And so uh, Hurricane came through. I think it was Hurricane Ivan. And uh, we went back to uh, Sapphire Beach, and guess what? The beach was still there. But the place where we stayed was completely gone. It was like it had never been there. You know, there are only two types of stories in the Bible. Uh, there's a, the type of story that has a song written about it. You know, when Jesus had the little children come to him, the disciples said, uh, don't bother, don't bother the master, he's too busy. Well, someone wrote a song about that, and it's, Jesus loves the little children. You know the song. You know, this PS, this coda, to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, this, this had a song written about it too. Do you know it? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man, let me hear. You do know it. And the rains came tumbling. Oh, do the motions. Come on. <laughs> the rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the rock. Ah, uh, yeah, we got to do the other part because that's, that's kind of the fun part, isn't it? The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the rains came tumbling. Here they go. Here they go. Come on now. Let me see you. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the sand went... Ooh, yep. Didn't know we had so many Pentecostals here today, but, but, but that's good. That's good. So build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Only two types of people in the world. First type, those who have placed their faith in Jesus and are building on him. And the second type are building on anything else. And my question for you today is, on whom are you building your life? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus' P.S. to the Sermon on the Mount, to his coda, to his paradua, where we see the wise man doing his dance, doing his work, building the house where he should build it. And we see the foolish man doing his work, building his house where he shouldn't. Lord, help us not to waste our lives chasing things that don't matter. 
Help us to live our lives in such a way that when the storms come and our house stands firm, people don't look at us and say, wow, what great building materials they had. No, they look at us and say, they were built on Jesus. Help us, Lord. We pray these things in the name of Jesus who gave these words to us. Amen.